Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time it is by you. Thanks so much for tuning in to Line Drive Radio on this wonderful Friday, October 15th, in the United States of America. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the LDR board here in New York on the longest of islands, and it's time to bring in my LDR teammate, Mr. Tab Bamford from the great city of Chicago. As always, buddy, I have to ask you, what's going down? In Shot Town, the uh, the temp outside is going down. Uh, <laughs> it is, it has quickly morphed into hoodie season in in the fine city of Chicago. So here we are with uh, looking at my kid having a soccer game uh, on Saturday morning with a fifty one degree puck drop, uh, first pitch, whatever they call it in soccer, game time. Uh, tip off so, there. Yeah, so instead of sweating our agates off as we have been most of the season, we'll, it will be uh, hoodied out. So, but look, this is what happens when you get into mid-October. We start talking about league championship series, and you start throwing the hoodie on and getting the uh, the old bonfire pit dusted off and ready to go for late evening bourbon stops after watching baseball debacles take place. <laughs> Life is good. Yes, a little frost in the grass. Little frost in your windshield. It's that time. Like of many year. of the pitches called strikes last night against the San Francisco Giants. You oh! sit just a bit outside. Oh, oh! Bring that swing all the way through, buddy. If you know what's good for you. Oh. Some people got places to go, Tab. It was time. Dinner was time reservations in the look. I can't fault them. The food in San Francisco is marvelous, <laughs> and that ballpark. They were smelling the garlic fries the whole night, so I can see wanting to get out of there. But God for. In epic, historic five-game series, to have the umpires be that bad and to have the game end on a check swing that was getting blasted before the first base umpire even gave him the gave him the fist pump. I mean, the guys in the booth were like, "Wow, that's terrible!" Uh, and it, usually, they try and you know at least. Give it a little bit of a, well, you know, we'll see what he saw. No, before they even got the replay, oh, that's terrible. And that's how it ends. But here we are, Major League Baseball, uh, giving us every reason possible to add more replay, make a computer tell us what the strike zone is, and, uh, you know, looking forward to having uh, somehow the Atlanta Braves be the most likable team of the final four that are left. (laughs) Who would have thunk? Who'd have thunk? Hey, man, as far as these umps, you know, as the great Billy Joel once sang, they're only human, buddy. I mean, you know, that's that's the, you know, I didn't lose it too much last night. I get it. It was horrible. It's a terrible way to end the series. But, I mean, you know, this is the human element in in baseball with the umps. I mean, yep. what, what do you do? I mean, there's nothing you can do. I mean, Everybody's seen that clip of the uh, Frisco fan behind the <laughs> behind the plate there, and he's just shaking his head in yeah. shock. And I think, like I said, for the most part, what what are you going to do? I mean, you know, people the, talk the, about robot look, the, umps the, the, and all that other stuff. Yeah. I mean. The human element is real, and we've lived with it for years. And we have allowed technology to give us the ability, in some instances, to get calls right. We saw a call that thankfully didn't alter a series 
that foul pop in the Milwaukee Atlanta game that clearly bounced, but it was not reviewable. And then we saw last night a check swing that was clear to everyone in the country except the first base umpire was not a swing. The first base umpire makes a mistake and it's not reviewable. And so this is the rock and the hard place that baseball has. You've got human error. You have the ability to correct human error, but you've spent so much time bitching and moaning about the pace of play and how long games take that you don't want to make everything reviewable, even though so many more things need to be reviewable, like check swings, like fall pops, that, you know, Rob Manfred's office has painted itself into a very delicate corner right now because the technology that they want to use to help the umpires get it right makes the game take longer. And when you spend all that time complaining about the pace of play, you look hypocritical allowing the game to take longer with elements that have nothing to do with the pitcher, the catcher, the fielders, the hitter. You're taking away from the baseball. And frankly, it's the other elements of baseball, the pitching changes, the commercial breaks that take more time than anything else. I mean, look, my kid plays fall ball, and I'm not saying that Major League Baseball and, and fall 12U are the same thing, but if they can get seven innings done in an hour and 40 minutes, why does it take four and a half hours to play a Major League game? Well, it's because you've got well, you sponsors really that want, need to get paid. They want people to be buying drinks and food. I mean, the, the stadium oh, absolutely. needs to make money. I mean, there's, there's definitely a... There's a there's a reason behind it, you know, more commercials, all that other stuff, the money side. Let me ask you this, Dad, why why not in the playoffs at least instill like almost make everything reviewable? I mean, Jesus, you're starting the games at nine o'clock at night anyway. I mean, who gives a crap? I mean, you know, at right. this point, why not for at least the playoffs and I get it, maybe check swings they happen so often you don't want to be reviewing all the time, but maybe you know, in the playoffs. I mean, you know, things just have to line up here, right? I mean, if if either the Dodgers or the Giants, you know, hitting the ball, the, there's more runs in the game or anything like that. I mean, it's a unique thing for everything to line up for that moment. And now we'll never know, obviously, even if he gets an extra pitch or, pitch or two. I mean, the next swing, he could have popped up. He could have ground out. He could have crushed a 2-1 homer. We'll never know. But in this instance, I guess, for the, the argument about what's reviewable, what they shouldn't do, I mean, you know what? If reviews in place for that last night, it's a non-issue. Well, and here's the other thing, too. In the NFL, which had replay available on field before Major League Baseball adopted it, there are three ways that a review can happen. There are automatic reviews on turnovers and scoring plays. One of the two head coaches can toss his little red flag out on the field. Or the eye in the sky can ask for a replay. In baseball, I think if you have a certain set of plays that are defined that the managers can ask for a review of, and you have, uh, you know, the last two minutes of each half in the NFL, it's got to come from upstairs. So maybe you say after the end of the seventh inning, it's got to come from upstairs. But I'm with you. I think if the eye in the sky is watching every play and there is a game-altering issue, like the final strike of an epic series, the eye in the sky should be able to buzz down and be like, "Eh, you know what, let's take a look at that because you effed it up. Shouldn't matter what it is. If If it's a significant play like the pop foul in Milwaukee or the check swing last night. And you know what? Here's the, here's the bigger problem with that though. And, and that's, that's great. If you're naive and you think that the league is going to do the right thing, replaying the NFL is atrocious Mm -hmm. and they almost never change anything. Why? Because you've got a set of officials helping a set of officials make a call and the officials with the camera don't want to undermine the officials on the field if when they buzz down and tell them to take another look at something. And the, the guy who's looking in the little magic box on the field doesn't always want to undermine the other people on his crew that made the call. 
And in Major League Baseball, the eye in the sky might see it correctly, but will they have, we'll say the intestinal fortitude, the onions, um, to undermine what was said by the on-field crew? And that's the problem. Because you've got an umpire's union in Major League Baseball that carries plenty of weight, and they hear everything that we say on social media and on podcasts and on television, and they know that they've got guys that are doing bad jobs. They had a, I mean, the the guy behind the plate last night had a lower rating than Angel Hernandez during the regular season, hmm. and he gets the plate for one of the most important, highest profile playoff games in recent memory. The first time ever that you have a winner take all in a playoff series between the Dodgers and Giants. The only game five that we had. And you've got a guy behind the plate who had a worse strike rate than Angel Hernandez, who has the worst cell phone bill in the world because of all the missed calls. (laughs) So what do we do? You know, there, there isn't an easy win. And people will complain until we have robots doing it, but then... You've still got to have somebody back there calling guys out and safe when they slide in. You've still got to have people on the bases calling box. There's going to be human errors, but how do we find a way to make sure that human errors do not screw up the biggest calls? And last night we saw the final call of the game get missed. And it's a it's a damn shame because you know, the Giants have rallied all year, and they've, they've found ways to make it happen all year. And they had the tying run on first base, and I'm not saying, like you said, we can't project that, you know, their third-string first baseman is going to somehow magically spark a two-out rally, but he should at least have a chance to do it. And they took that chance away from him. They took other chances away from guys. You know, Chris Bryant had an, a, a plate appearance in the game that was atrocious, um, I mean, the strike zone was garbage, and the Giants, unfortunately, wore more of it than the Dodgers, which will, of course, lead to the perception that Major League Baseball slash the umpires have more skin in the game if a big market gets in, and that San Francisco-Atlanta doesn't do it for people like the potential of having the Dodgers get another crack at the Astros or Red Sox, who were found to have manipulated the rules of what legally they could do when they played them in the World Series. So here we are. You know, I think lots of casual fans want the Dodgers to get that redemption shot at the Astros or Red Sox. And uh, and the Giants were a nice story, but they're the Giants. And Brandon Crawford isn't carrying the national prestige that Mookie Betts is. I am not making the, the assertion that Games are manipulated for TV ratings, but what I am saying is there are a lot of people who do. And ending a game that way is not a good look for Major League Baseball. So maybe instead of bitching and moaning about pace of play, you get some umpires out there and winner-take-all games that actually get a call right. Because no umpire in baseball had anything better to do last night than call that game. And you got guys out there making mistakes left and right, and the final play was a mistake. Yes, it's unfortunate. And obviously, uh, unless, of course, you're a Dodgers fan, you have to look at that uh, bottom of the ninth. Uh, uh, Bellinger just a great at bat there. Mookie Betts having a fantastic game. Uh, you know, shares are coming in there at the end. So, I mean, look, the champs are back regardless, you know. I mean, I think if you look at it in that side, whether or not the Giants would have came back, the Giants themselves put themselves in a great position to win that game anyway, you know, with that uh, – with that yeah. at bat there and beating Duvall and everything else. So, um, look, here we go. You know, we, we got to move on here. It's 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 uh, marching on here for the Dodgers, and, and here we are. We're, we're, we'll start here with the Braves, and we'll start here with the National League uh, Championship Series and um, have a quick look at it in terms of how these tunes have how these two teams have played each other throughout the year and, and, um, and what they did here in the playoffs. So where do you want to start with this series, Tab? Well, I think the, the first thing to look at here is game one, Saturday at 8.07 p.m. Eastern, uh, will be in Atlanta because the Braves won the National League least. And we talked about this before the playoffs and for the weeks leading up to the playoffs. Was it a benefit to Atlanta or if it ended up being Philadelphia to win that division and get to 
get a shot at a questionable Milwaukee offense in the first round and avoid the wild card completely. And now a team that won 88 regular season games hosts game one against a team that won 106 regular season games. So, I mean, that, that, that's also an elephant in the room here is, is should there be reseeding? Should this game be in L.A.? Because, look, now the, now the Dodgers get done. They get hammered. They celebrate. They crush their uh, Budweiser's. And then they got to fly all the way across the country. It's a hefty flight from Atlanta or from San Francisco to Atlanta, rather. And they got to jump on it uh, here Saturday night. They get one day to sober up and figure out who's got what left. So, look, the, the Braves pitching staff, as we talked about going into that series, got healthy down the stretch. They were outstanding against Milwaukee. They allowed six runs in four games to the Brewers. Uh, and they got the offense that they needed. Here's the problem. The Dodgers lineup ain't the Brewers. Uh, they got Cody Bellinger batting seventh or eighth some nights. Um, so, you know, the, the Dodgers have played more games. Braves have played four, handled their business. Dodgers had to beat St. Louis in the wild card game, and then it took them five to play San Francisco. So they've played six games, and they had Scherzer out there for the ninth inning. Uh, you know, you can ask questions about how Dave Roberts used his pitching staff last night instead of just starting Julio Urias, 20-game winner. He went with an opener with Kniebel in the first, and then instead of going to Urias in the second inning, he brings out Gratterall and basically rolls his seventh and eighth inning guys in the first and second, and then rolls Urias down the middle, and then comes out with Kenley Jansen to lock the door in the eighth inning, which is what necessitated Max Scherzer saving a game for the first time in his Hall of Fame career. <laughs> and against a Giants team that scored a boatload of runs, the uh, the Dodgers allowed 10 runs in five games. So... You know, this is going to be a very interesting series to look at because, you know, when you look at the run differentials in the National League, we trashed the National League least all year. But at the end of the day, without Ronald Acuna, with their pitching staff banged up all year, with a completely new outfield, the Atlanta Braves scored 790 runs this year, which is 14 fewer than the best record in the league, San Francisco. And their plus 134 run differential was third in base in the National League behind L.A. and San Francisco. So they, they handled their business. They won eight of their last ten in the regular season. They won three out of four against Milwaukee, and they think they rightfully come in feeling pretty good about themselves. But, Paul, question, is Jorge Soler even going to be there because he tested positive for COVID and had to get pulled out of the uh, last round and get replaced by young Christian Pache? who uh, Andrew Jones has told me directly he feels is a better defensive center fielder than the great Andrew Jones at that age. Hmm. Um, but Solaire is a different dude. I mean, he's a 50 homer guy. He's not a gold glove center fielder. So you're tra you're swapping offense for defense. Um, but it, without Solaire, that that's a shot uh, to Atlanta's offense. But Atlanta beat up, you know, emerged in a terrible division and, and won it and rightfully uh, get the perks of being a division winner, and they get to host game one of the National League Championship Series on Saturday night against the Dodgers team that won 18 regular seasons more than they did. And I wonder if, uh, you know, this it's its the uh, irony of things that happened. You know, we, if we go back to the beginning of this season and then the, the controversy with MLB taking the All-Star game out of Atlanta and now... If the Braves win, they'll be hosting a few home games in the World Series. Well, you know, it's uh, perhaps Bob Marley's redemption song should just be the uh, title track for wh whoever's putting together a postseason montage. Uh, because you're right, Atlanta loses the All-Star game and they're sneaky uh, retribution is they get to the League Championship Series and they've got to shot at the World Series. And look, let's not sleep on the fact that Freddie Freeman is one of, if not the best first baseman overall in all of baseball. 
and he is getting a new contract as soon as his season ends, whether it be from Atlanta or someone else. Uh, Ozzy Albies has been spectacular. Dansby Swanson has been terrific. Austin Riley should get votes for the National League Most Valuable Player. This Atlanta team is nothing to, to you know just dismiss because they won 18 fewer games than the Dodgers. They dealt with a lot of injuries, and one of the three or four most exciting players in baseball, Ronald Acuna Jr., missed half of the season, and they had to go out and get four new outfielders. Maybe the X factor for the Braves is Jock Peterson, former Chicago Cub, former Dodger, and his pearl necklace that he's been wearing uh, during the playoffs. Uh, you know, he, he's, he likes to mix up the jewelry and he's been wearing a pearl necklace in the playoffs and it's worked because he's absolutely smoking the ball. And so you, that's another storyline here. You've got Jock Peterson, who was a postseason hero at times for the Dodgers over the last few years, uh, getting the, uh, the bon voyage at the end of last season with a ring. And now he gets a crack at his former teammates and many of his very good friends in this series. And depending on the status of Jorge Soler, he could play a very important role for the Braves here. So, yeah, but that's a, that's a good storyline. That's an intriguing point. The All-Star game gets pulled out of Atlanta, and now they're hosting game one of the NLCS. That's crazy how things work here. Um, so I'm going to ask you this. I mean, you look at uh, Atlanta's uh, top four here in the lineup and, and against the Dodgers, you know, you talk about Swanson and Riley and, and Freeman and everything, and then on the other side, Butts and... Turner and stuff like that. Where do you ultimately think this series gets won? You think it's one on the mound? Or do you think we have two really good lineups here that could maybe make this a um, a hitter series? Well, I, I think that the Braves do come in with a bit of an advantage in that and I'm in I'm not dismissing what San Francisco's pitching staff did in that series because the Giants have been great all year. They got a potentially career defining start in game seven last or game five last night from Logan Webb. Um, but when you look at the horses that Milwaukee puts out there, they faced a really good pitching staff. And Josh Hader gave up a big home run. And they were able to knock around some very good, you know, three starting pitchers who may be among the five, you know, top five for the National League Cy Young Awards. So they faced good pitching. They did not face a lineup as deep as as the Dodgers. And so if I'm looking pitching or offense in this series, I've got to lean on the lineups being where this series is going to ultimately be won because both teams are going to have – managers who are going to weaponize different elements within their pitching staff in different ways. They're going to be more than happy to use guys in different situations than they traditionally have. But just when you look at what the Dodgers bring to the table and they've, you know, they're going to be able to roll Walker Buehler out there for game one. And then depending on how fresh they feel, I mean, Scherzer looked tired, but he certainly had it last night. Urias should have some gas left in the tank. Uh, you look at the weapons in, in the Dodgers' bullpen, they're exceptional. So I give the edge pitching-wise to the Dodgers, but I, again, I, I think Atlanta's lineup is going to be able to do damage. And so I, I think it'll be the bats that ultimately are going to be what changes the uh, what changes the narrative in this series. It's just, you know, we don't know right now. We won't know until Saturday if, if Soler is going to be able to be in the lineup for them. Um so we'll see what happens there. But certainly it, it, there are going to be storylines all over the place here. And, and the Dodgers, obviously, I think, are going to want to crack at both Houston and Boston. But they should not sleep on the Braves because I do think Atlanta is going to have something for them in this series. Yeah, no, no doubt. I, I agree with you on a lot of stuff there. I'm going to take the Dodgers in six here. And um, I'm hoping for a back and forth, a lot of runs scored and – a lot of energy from both of these teams uh, mixing it up. And uh, the Dodgers will win in the game six on a check swing strike call uh, <laughs> because uh, there's no doubt if they're MLB, and um, we're going to switch over here to the American League, but, man, uh, an L.A.-Boston series is juicy for TV ratings, buddy. Yeah. Hey, look, every, we, we talked about needing a cold shower and a cigarette if you got Yankees-Red Sox in the wild card game. If you get L.A. – well, look. 
if LA and I'm with you, I'm going to take the Dodgers in six. Um, I just I think that their big game, been there, done that, is going to pay dividends. It did against the Giants, even though guys like Crawford and Posey have been there and done that, and Chris Bryant looked great for the Giants. He's been there and done that, obviously, but almost the entire Dodger, you know, roster has been through multiple postseasons now together. Um, but I think, you know, you've got the whole cheating thing with the Astros. You've got the potential of Mookie Betts going back to Boston in the World Series. Nice. Um, you know, um, and, you know, at least if L.A.'s in it, you're starting games at 9 o'clock at night on the East Coast, at least some fans would be awake to watch some of the games. <laughs> if it's Atlanta, Boston, or, you know... Atlanta, Houston, you're starting games at nine o'clock at night. People are going to be, you know, dozing off in the second inning. So, um, but no, I, I, I'm with you. I like, I like the Dodgers depth. I think that their pitching is just too much, too good, but playing two extra games means something. And so we'll see how they put together their, uh, pitching rotation. We don't have, again, we, they don't have to turn anything in until 10 AM local time before game one. So, we won't know what the actual rosters look like until then. Uh, but I think it'll be a fun series, and I do think Atlanta will surprise people with how well they uh, are able to compete with the Dodgers. All right, now before we move over, because I almost forgot, and I don't want to, I, I got to talk about Jansen's pre pitch wind up uh, for the Dodgers, man. That is, to me, one of the most uncomfortable things to watch. Shake, rattle, and roll. Shake, rattle, and roll. I'm trying to break down how that's, how does, how is it legal? I mean, if you're standing there at the plate, he's got about nine moves and shakes and turns and before he releases the ball. Yeah. Well, look, no, you got to get somebody on base. (laughs) You got to get somebody on base to make him settle that down. Oh, man. You know, that's part of the magic. The gamesmanship everywhere. No, yeah, he's and and to think that he was a catcher with that body, he was a catcher that they converted to pitcher. And he, he, having spoken with him, he is one of the bigger human beings in baseball. He's a big boy. Yeah. So the idea that he was getting that frame down behind the plate just baffles me. Uh, I'm sure his legs are very appreciative that he decided to throw instead of squat, but. Yeah, I mean, there's but, a few well, dance you, moves in there, man. Yeah, Put that thing shake rattle and roll. Little mojo before it flies. That's good stuff. So, uh, yeah, look, shares. Uh, I mean, it's 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 going to be something. Hey, look, if the Braves can um, full marks to the Braves is they can beat the Dodgers because you know got to hand it to them, and they did. They, I mean, the Dodgers played the Giants. You know, two of the best teams in baseball. There, they had to do it through the wild card, so they've got all this experience. They had to do it a different way, and um, but that, you know, like I said, it should be a great series, and uh, we get to watch it here. It's all starting here uh, this weekend, so good stuff. All right, so um, let's let's just do a little uh, transition music here. We always like to get the music going here on Line Drive Radio as we move over to the American League, baby. Which, unfortunately, my Yanks are not a part of, and neither are your White Sox. And the Yankees are uh, slowly making some changes on the coaching staff. I don't know if they're, I don't know what, Tab, what what do you do? It's like, what's that term? You, you, You cut off one piece at a time before you get to the head. I mean, what is going on? It's the slow is are are, the, are you saying slow? that Brian Cashman is being like Mr. Miyagi trimming the tree here yeah, instead I mean, of what, what's going on? Getting here? out the hedge trimmers and just and beating that thing up. Yeah, those are Booney's buddies. What's the story? I mean, is he? Is he? That seems like torture. It like, seems mean. It seems cruel. No, I, I, I think they are going to make Aaron Boone fully commit to the organization, and it's not going to be his handpicked coaching staff anymore. And. That will be an interesting storyline to follow. Does Aaron Boone want to manage with a coaching staff that was selected by his boss? And we've seen this in other sports. We see it in hockey all the time where the GM will decide that he wants different people calling shots around the head coach and make things awkward and 
you well, can the have owner some in New York <coughs> City. <coughs> Sorry. Do the Yankees have Rangers. a vocal owner? <laughs> What's that? Do the Yankees have vocal ownership who make changes? Which is crazy that I'm sincerely asking that question about the Steinbrenner family, but you know the old man would have been a lot more trigger-happy by now than his children have been after not not winning a World Series in 12 years and watching Boston uh, have multiple cracks at the apple since then. but you know we'll we'll see. There there are going to be a lot of changes in the American League, but uh, the Yankees will be very interesting to watch as the Yankees fans uh, bitterly watch two teams that they feel have taken things from them that they deserved play in the American League Championship Series. Yeah, I, I you know I've been thinking about this. You know I've been talking to this, a couple of buddies of mine. You know Yankee fans, and we'll all hang out here and watching this thing play out here, and, and you look at the Red Sox and the Astros. So all of us here as Yankee fans, I mean, these are two, you know, I'll just say me. These are two of my hated rivalries, these teams, you know. But I've come to the conclusion that um, I will take the Red Sox. I'll put the Red Sox cap on. I'll do whatever it takes for them to beat the Astros because I've said it. You know, I, I have love for the city of Houston. I have love for the good people of Texas, okay? But I see that Astros logo, and it's a shame because I used to love the old the Astrodome. You know, I'm, I'm an old guy here, grew up at baseball. We've talked about it so often on this show about how baseball, when we were kids, it just transcends everything that was. we talked about Mel Allen and, uh, you, know, um, you know, game of the week and baseball this week and, and playing with baseball cards and, you know, TV was limited, and you, you fell in love with pitchers and players from other team from from baseball cards, which we've talked about here on this team, and and even up to the days of um, you know Bagwell, and I, I I always liked the Astros. I have, but this this team, a lot of the guys in this team, this organization, and unfortunately, yes, it's they're tainted for me, and I can't stand, and I it's torture because I love Dusty Baker. And I'm I'm doing a therapy session here with the tab because I just have to feel like I got to get this off my chest because it hurts because I I do love the old Astros and the old colors and the old uniforms, Nolan Ryan, all those all those good times in in the years past and stuff. And and here it is, I'm looking at this and I'm a Yankees fan and the Red Sox are four games away from going back to the World Series and they got a pretty damn good team here. And on the other side, whoever they face, the Braves or the Dodgers, and I'll definitely say if the Braves squeak through, they can beat them. But um, I'm, I have to root for the Red Sox. I've got to do it. And you know what, man? i got to think for New England, too. I've been touring a lot there this, this, this past year, and i got shows in Foxborough and Wooster and been up to New Hampshire and Connecticut and all that stuff. So, you know, we're not even talking about the series yet. So um, I'm, I'm dragging on here. But like I said, I've got my, my pillow here, my crying pillow. And I, I got to go with the Red Sox because I, I'm sorry, Dusty Baker. I, I, if, if, if they get through, I'm, I'm going to get ill. I, you know, I thought, honestly, as a Yankee fan, that the music that we would have used to transition to this series would have been Don Rundgren. <laughs> uh, Which one? Yeah, uh, bang on the drum all day. Oh uh, man! So you gotta but, you gotta uh, put this in emails to me, man. I I could have set that up, man. I mean, I was actually what I should have played in the background there with that too long of a uh, uh, a speech by me is is the crying game. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, you know, but you know, as long as we're going, you know, waxing poetic with song names as a Yankee fan, unfortunately. Another song that unfortunately is apropos for your long struggling uh, fandom with the Yankees is the song remains the same uh, because the Astros are are in their fifth consecutive American League Championship Series. uh, And for all of the flack that they've taken, it's only been proved that they cheated in two of them. And so, I mean, that's still 40%. That's still a D minus. But... Uh, but 
here's the problem that I think everyone has, and this is what makes this Astros team so dangerous, is it's been two years since the report came out. It's been four years since they actually cheated in the World Series. And they've got this big core of guys together with, I mean, the, the infield of Guriel, Altuve, Correa and Bregman have played more postseason games together than any group of teammates ever. And they keep getting it done. And they are, without question, the most scrutinized team in the field. They will continue to be the most hated team in the field. But, you know, it's like pro wrestling. They have no problem being the heel. Yeah, they love it. They're, they're doing they, it. They, yep. they relish it. And... They use it as motivation. You look at what the pitcher on the White Sox had to say after the White Sox blew them out in game three of that series. Ryan Tapera, former Cub, shoots his mouth up and says, hey, look at all the swings and misses that we got in game three. They didn't get that in Houston. There will always be that cloud of suspicion over this team. The difference between A.J. Hinch and Dusty Baker is Dusty Baker isn't going to stand for that. And if there is one guy that you can rally around in these playoffs – whether it be on the field or, or, you know, on the bench. I almost said behind the bench as hockey season kicks off here. But Dusty's a guy that you can cheer for. He has always been one of the class acts in baseball. Players love to play for him, and he's the perfect guy to lead this team because he's going to deflate everything. He's going to look you in the eye and sincerely say, F that, I wasn't here, not on my watch. We're going to go whoop your ass because we're better than you. And you look at what they did against the White Sox team that had one of the better pitching staffs in baseball, and they did not sweat what the White Sox had. You know, they scored 25 runs in their three wins against a White Sox pitching staff that was as good as there was in the American League. And the the problem that the Astros have now, unfortunately, is we don't know, and, and I'm, as we record this on uh, Friday morning, I continue to hit refresh on uh, the Twitters, uh, looking at the Astros feed to see when they will announce their roster. We don't know if Lance McCullers Jr. is going to be on the roster for this series because he left the clinching game against the White Sox with forearm tightness and had an MRI on Thursday, and they're kind of playing wait and see. But if he's not able to go... That changes the entire complexion of this series. Game one, you're going to have Chris Sale against Framber Valdez. Framber Valdez, not the household name that Chris Sale has become, certainly since going to Boston, but dang good pitcher. Luis Garcia against Nathan Evaldi in game two on Saturday afternoon. Uh, game one, 8.07 p.m. first pitch Eastern, and then Saturday they get the uh, matinee at 4.20 p.m. Eastern first pitch with Nathan Evaldi, who has emerged into – you know, legend status with the way that he's thrown in the off season, in the postseason, and coming up big time and time again. I mean, he, he outdueled Garrett Cole in the wild card game. Um, but both of these teams are scoring runs. I just said Astros scored twenty five in their three wins. The Red Sox scored twenty six in their three wins against Tampa and handled the Yankees with ease, six to two in the wild card game. And with the days off, you know. Boston getting done a day earlier than Houston because of the rain out in Chicago. They're now set up to go sale of Valdi 1-2, and their pitching staff is pretty well rested and fresh. And so, you know, you've got it, things righted themselves a little bit. The 95-win Astros will host the 92-win Red Sox regular season. Um, and this series sets up to have two offenses that can do it to anybody. And the question's going to be which pitching staff is able to hold up and, I guess, allow fewer runs. The, the, the Braves-Dodgers, it's really good pitching that limited offense and scored enough to win. Uh, and, look, the Dodgers' offense did enough. They were not the Bronx bombers, the murderers row that people expect them to be on paper against the Giants here. But the Red Sox and Astros have been world beaters. They have scored at will with whatever they want. And so I think the big question here is who's going to score more runs and timely runs to emerge out of this series because this is going to be a knockdown dragout. And, you know, we talked about the storylines of the potential Mookie Betts going back to Boston and 
the overlaps between these four teams. One of the things that I'll be keeping an eye on is, you know, how motivated is Alex Cora, who really wore it as much as anyone for that. I mean, the players for the Astros got away with it. Alex Cora spent a year uh, in purgatory, effectively got got placed on leave for a year and then came back this year and completely changed the complexion of the Red Sox. So kudos to him for what he's been able to do. But he wore it. You know, he may have not had a job. A.J. Hinch got fired. He landed on his feet in Detroit. Carlos Beltran got hired by the Mets and then fired by the Mets because of it. And Al- But Alex Cora was a guy that, when you go back and read that report, was a guy that a lot of people stuck, you know, pointed at and said this was the ringleader. This is the guy who did it all. This is the guy who uh, went around A.J. Hinch's back and made sure that things were being manipulated. And so for as much as the Houston Astros get as an organization have the scarlet letter on their jerseys, Alex Cora was the guy that really, among everyone named in that report, was blamed the most individually. So neither one of these teams is without blame or without, you know, I guess. It's a trip that he's he's managing. Both of these teams have a villain element about them. So it's going to be interesting to see how the national audience plays out, what the sentiment looks like on social media about these two teams. I think a lot of people are sick of the Red Sox. Big Poppy is going to be chirping off before every game on the pregame show, which I'm totally here for. I think David Ortiz is amazingly entertaining. I will be smoking a Big Poppy cigar uh, during the Bears-Packers game on Sunday. Um, But but these are two juggernauts that are going at it, and – have the opportunity to really, with the championships that they've won and the runs that they've had with, as I said, Houston being in their fifth straight championship series, you know, start to throw that word dynasty around, Um, you know, between those two teams and the Dodgers and what they've been able to accomplish in the last four or five years. Realistically, dynasty is a word that's in play for three of the four teams. And Atlanta had their dynasty in the 90s that only, you know, netted them one championship. But you've got three teams that have the opportunity here to start using that word dynasty, depending on how this October plays out in completion. Yeah, and it's a trip to Cora is uh, managing here, the Red Sox against the series. Uh, I would love to see the uh, the TV numbers from New York for the Red Sox Astros series. See if anybody checks in or tunes in at all. Well, now that Henrik Lundqvist is doing pregames on Madison Square Garden Network, I think he's gorgeous. Um, So dreamy. Just. (laughs) Again, if there's there's ever walk-up music and hockey, Sharp Dressed Man by ZZ Top needs to be at the top of MSG's playlist. See, now uh, I'm thinking more smooth operator by Sade, man. Well, there there you go, that one too. Um, No, but, you know... It, it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out because you've got two teams that have a lot to prove. Uh, you've got a manager who was blamed for it and a manager who is completely clean of it. Uh, you know, it's the the uh, juxtaposition here of Dusty Baker being the cleaner in Houston and Alex Cora being the one who's dirty from the Astros here, coaching against the team that tainted his. Uh, record historically um you know it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out but two big time offenses uh i think the red sox pitching lines up a heck of a lot better than the astros if mccullers is is out or if he's limited i think that's a huge hit to the astros but that offense is so good um that it i think this is a seven game series i don't know how it doesn't go the distance and i think it's good i think i think red sox astros lives up to the level of baseball that we were treated to with the Dodgers Giants, with the exception of, uh, you know, the uh, those who were deciding balls and strikes and check swings and everything else. So uh, I think we're going to have a knockdown drag out uh, Red Sox Astros series that goes the distance. Yeah, I agree with you. I'd like to see it too. I'd like to see it dragged out. I hope they get exhausted, tired. I hope both fan bases get tortured. Um, I hope there's uh, no, I'm not going to wish for bad calls and controversy here. I mean, uh, you know, we love the game so much and, you know, talking about 
Dusty Baker, the Astros. It's unfortunate because of the past. It's unfortunate, you know, and Dusty's going to take, you know, if he hasn't yet, obviously, uh, you know, pregame. And he's, he's probably been, he's been taking these questions all season long about this. And, you know, for him, getting back to what you were saying earlier, he's got it. You know, he's like, F this. I want a championship, you know. Mm-hmm. And if the Astros do end up on top, and you've alluded to it, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like you said, he's the he's the best guy for this team through all the turmoil, through the tainted stuff and everything else. And at the end of the day, if Dusty gets to raise that, hold that uh, World Series trophy, you know, a lot of us here, like I said, even myself personally, who just rambled on about how I can't stand that, the organization, the, the, the lineup, I'll just say. Uh, I'll be so damn happy for that guy. Yep. And he deserves he's a, he, crack he, at it. He, he's a he's a guy that you can cheer for, and the the rock in the hard places, the jersey that he's wearing and doing so. Uh, and look, here's the thing: like I've spoken with a lot of guys on the Astros team, and a lot of them are really good dudes. And so, you know, the hard thing here is that they cheated, and so it, it's hard to separate what they do as players from that and what they've done since then the incredible feats that the Astros have shown us since then doing it clean. What they're showing us now is that they can do it clean and do it really well. So uh, I'm going to go Red Sox in seven over the Houston Astros. So I'm going Dodgers in six, Red Sox in seven, and we will get your Boston, L.A., Mookie Betts, Palooza World Series. Well, that's what they want. There's no doubt about it. I, do, do you want, I mean, look, I'm pulling for the Red Sox. I want them to beat the Astros. I've already stated that. I don't care how many games it, it is. So let's swing back to the fact that if both our picks here are Red Sox and Dodgers. Um, is that what the game wants? I mean, take away the, let's take away the TV stuff for a second here. Is... Do, how, let me throw this, just throw it, because, you know, it's a short show today. We're down to the last four, uh, you know, four teams here. Um, Astros, Braves, World Series. Southern, it's a Southern, it'll be a Southern Belt World Series. Is that better for baseball than, say, the Dodgers, Red Sox? I mean, as, as far as an entertaining level, again, take out the pop and stance and all this stuff. On a baseball level here, does do we as baseball fans lose either way if we get a Braves Astro series, and we're talking about this in two weeks or whatever about pre, you know, talking about that series. You got you, you still got two pretty damn good lineups there. Obviously, the Astros we talked about in depth, and we're waiting to see what the Braves do. If the Braves get there, um, you know, is the Braves Astro just enough good enough series? The same as if the Red Sox Dodgers get in there, or do we are we looking at this like you you want the Red Sox Dodgers not only on a on a TV level coast to coast thing, but those two lineups going against each other as opposed to the Astros and the Braves? Well, here I don't think – I mean, you can roll out any of the scenarios. I think Dodgers, Red Sox, the obvious headline there is that you've got Alex Verdugo making an impact for the Red Sox and Mookie Betts playing at an MVP level for the for the Dodgers since he got to L.A. He was banged up this year and didn't have a great regular season, but he showed out in the last round. So I think the Mookie Betts trade is the storyline there. If the Dodgers get the Astros, you have the we should have a second championship asterisk Dodgers-Astros storyline, and the Astros having all the motivation to prove to the Dodgers that they can beat them twice. Um, if you get Braves-Red Sox, there isn't that natural like Mookie Betts thing, but let's keep in mind if we want to go all the way to the historical narrative that the Braves started in Boston. So there's that element there. I think that would be entertaining. I, I absolutely do. I think that it, you know there's plenty of reason to get excited about that series. Atlanta, Houston, absolutely. I think there's a lot to be excited about there. I think Charlie Morton potentially starting a game one of the World Series against his former teammates in Houston would be great. The reality here is you're in the final four. Each of these four teams earned their way there. And any of the four series that lined up could be very compelling for the game. 
as baseball fans, we should be thrilled right now because you've got four teams that have a lot to play for, a lot of motivation, a lot to prove wrong, a lot to establish themselves with. I think the reality here for the Braves is they're the only one of these four that hasn't won a World Series recently, too. Mm-hmm. And they've got some young guys that don't get the level of notoriety that the guys on the other teams do. Ozzy Albies is one of my favorite players to watch. He is magnificent, and he and Altuve are both shorter than me, and that says a lot because I'm not a not a big human being, at least vertically. So, you know, you've got pieces in all of this that are really exciting. So I don't. I think as a baseball fan, ignoring the TV ratings, ignoring what the game wants, ignoring everything else, I don't think we're going to lose with any of the potential four World Series options that we get. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be exciting. Um, you know, Atlanta has a, a wonderful history with uh, winning, especially over the last 30 years since, you know, Greg Maddox left my Cubs and went to Atlanta. Um, and so certainly they have fans that know what it's like to be in this situation, but many of the players on that team haven't been there. And you've got a lot of castaways. You know, Eddie Rosario started the World Series for Cleveland in 2016 and got his papers, and he's been moved twice since then. And Jorge Soler was the odd man out for the Cubs in 2016 in the outfield and went to Kansas City and did things with the bat that were impressive. And now, you know, if he's healthy, he's got a chance to do it on the biggest stage here. Freddie Freeman, again, going into free agency. He is a guy that... Too many people don't give as much love. Again, I hold him as the number one overall first baseman in the game. Um, so there's a lot of guys on that Atlanta team that have a lot to prove. In a good way, because they haven't done it before. There's a lot of people in the Red Sox and Astros series that have a lot to prove wrong. Uh, and there are haters that are going to hate, and they they get to play the heel against each other. Uh, you know, it's an old stone cold against the rock match, I guess, from the late 90s, early 2000s. So there's a lot to love about all four of these teams. I'm really excited because I think that this sets up as two series without a rooting interest in either one of our towns mm-hmm. that we can get excited about watching into the late hours of the night. Caffeine, definitely necessary here. Um, thankfully, it looks like we don't have any games right now that are going to start after 9 Eastern. Uh, but, you know, looking at the schedule here, we'll, I, I think we'll wrap it with that. American League gets started here tonight, Friday night, with Sale against Valdez. And then Saturday, they've got the matinee of Aldi Garcia. Game three, Monday night. Game four, Tuesday. And then, if necessary, five Wednesday, six Friday. And the game seven that I'm predicting it'll need would be Saturday, the 23rd of October. National League Braves-Dodgers get started game one Saturday at 8.07 p.m. Eastern. Game two Sunday at 7.37 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and then three, four, five, five if necessary. Go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Game six would be Saturday. And game seven would be Sunday, the 24th of October. So we've got, realistically here, nine days, four teams, two great series that I think are going to give you a lot of drama, good pitching, plenty of offense. I'm excited for it. Me too, sir, and I'm excited to do it here with you and talk about this. It's been a blast. Uh, here we are, almost uh, six and a half, seven months here of baseball, and we're down to the final four, and uh, the Halloween decorations are up. Hoodie season, as you talked about, and uh, we're about ready to go. As these four. Oddly enough, I, I attended the final four in Houston uh, when Villanova walked off North Carolina, and the stadium in which that was played, the home of the Houston Texans, uh, overlooks the old Astrodome. Yes. There you go. It's amazing. Still there. Meaningless, right? yeah, yeah, meaningless anecdote. No, You're welcome. It's good. You know, a great thing about the Houston Texans is a beautiful stadium they have there. They've never held a second playoff game there. And, you know, the way that they sign quarterbacks, they'll probably have more court proceedings and playoff games in the next two years. So, look, Tab, before we uh, close out today's show, and you brought him up before, and that's uh, Big Poppy and how excited you were about his pregames. And he's, he's the best. There's no doubt about it. But if you would indulge me here for about a moment. 
Absolutely. The only guy that's better than Big Poppy is Keenan Thompson on Saturday Night Live ah, doing ah, Big Poppy. Ah. Let's, here we go. Don't. <laughs> What's that an ad for? For not to be sad. Why you be sad? Don't. the White House last week, Red Sox slugger we'll David Ortiz was criticized for taking a selfie with President Obama using a Samsung phone because Ortiz has an endorsement deal with Samsung. Here to comment is Big Poppy himself, David Ortiz. <laughs> What's up, Big Poppy? So how was your trip to the White House? Oh, it was good, man. We have a big lunch. <laughs> You get a big lunch. Oh, yeah, we have empanada, tostones, <laughs> beef steak and cocoa, <laughs> shrimp mofongo, <laughs> arroz con leche, y chicharrón con jamón. You had all that at the White House. That's what I say, man. Big Dominican lunch with Big Poppy. <laughs> He's the best, man. Oh, man. I have been healed over watching Keenan do his big poppy bits for years. On oh, Saturday with Live. the batting gloves and uh, oh. yeah, no, Keenan does it well. Look, <laughs> I, I think it's great that we get subjected to potentially another eight nine days of David Ortiz rubbing a Rod's face in the fact that the Red Sox are still active. I'm totally here for anybody that wants to crap on a Rod, um, <laughs> owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, out here firing people like he's working on Shark Tank all over again. <laughs> so uh, no no one loves a camera more than A-Rod. Uh, so, I mean, Keenan does such a good job, and it, it's so funny. But I'm, I'm, here for, I'm here for Big Poppy being excited because he brings an energy. And look, yeah, love me got... some Big Poppy, but MLB Network, you're going to have Pedro. Pedro, man, the same, yeah, I was going to say. Energy. He's awesome too, man. Yeah. Uh, definitely, I think Pedro hit the mute button before he commented on the umpiring last night. Uh, but, you know, this is the thing. Like, Boston's a city. It's like the Cubs. Like, Carlos Correa commented about, like, he's going into free agency, too. And people ask him about playing in Chicago. He's like, I've never played at Wrigley Field, but everybody talks about how great it is. You know, people play for some teams, and it's just different there. And, you know, a lot of players love playing in Atlanta. I've, I've covered playoff games at Dodger Stadium. It's a different animal. Uh, you know, I just through Facebook memories reminded me of the where they had the auxiliary press seating three years ago for the National League Championship Series. I was at the top of that building, and they did a flyover with a big old bomber, and I could read the serial numbers on the underside <laughs> of the wings as it went over my head. You know, one of those, like, make sure you're holding your drink because the whole place uh, is going to shake moments. Um, but you've got, you know, Boston, people love it. They hate it. Um, but you've got some places here. Players have affinities for teams. And you have players now with each of these four teams that have been, become faces of the franchise. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see which one of these players takes that next step in the legend status. Um, and I think there's a huge opportunity for some guys to really etch their legacies in October for good or bad. And we'll see how the games play out, but it is really exciting to see if we get a little Keenan dusting off some big poppy this weekend or next weekend, as the Red Sox get going and big poppy keeps throwing that money around the set. It's good stuff. Hey, those guys are legends in Boston too. I mean, in Chicago too. Those guys. I mean, those those guys broke the curses. Uh, they'll never have to, you know, pay for a drink or food in, in Boston, Chicago. As far as you know, the, the both teams that were part of, you know, winning those champions. And, and it's still, Schwartz, it blows me away with Epstein. Epstein just running the show for both of those magical World Series. I mean, obviously the Sox have won a, a couple more since, but the first one, man, it's just magical stuff, man. And he told the Mets no, not interested. Because yeah, why would anyone with his resume be interested in running the mess? Let's try and end on a good note here. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Look, there have been some great 
moments here in these playoffs. This is what it's all about. Big hits, big pitches, the pressure, the chess games between the managers, the decisions, the moves, the guys coming in off the bench, the defensive plays, and the fans now too. we got four great ballparks now hosting these games as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we're running down here, Final Four. So thanks for tuning in to Line Drive Radio today and every week. Follow us everywhere at Line Drive Radio. And uh, as we put the locks on the gates, put the sprinklers on, and close the concession stands, I'll pass it over to Tab. Say goodbye to the folks, buddy. No, folks, find those hoodies, get them on, make sure that everything is locked and loaded because we have nine days of baseball before we know who is in the World Series in 2021. There you go, buddy. Nine days. Good band from Long Island. Great song. Story of a girl. Check it out. Live Drive Radio is out. Enjoy the games. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.